everyone. Mike Schiappa here, Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline. Welcome back to the podcast series, CPO Open Mic, where I discuss thought leadership, industry insights, current trends, and future thought-provoking topics. What a year 2021 has been. It certainly has been a very challenging year for, for many, but a year in which procurement's identity has been reaffirmed as an exceptional profession to be in. The impact that we have on our business is astounding and will continue to be extremely valuable for years to come. In my four previous episodes, my guests and I have explored the changing role of procurement in today's business. And as this year comes to an end, I wanted to revisit some of the conversations and discussions we had around what these trends can mean for your organization and how you can apply what we've learned to prepare for the year ahead. In my first episode with Eloise Epstein, a partner at Carney Consulting, we discussed why it's time to replace incremental change with a more aggressive roadmap. Here's what she had to say when I asked her about going beyond incremental changes in procurement and the importance of digital technology in making more aggressive changes. First of all, you can't do a procurement transformation anymore without digital. And I would actually take that even further is that it has to be digital first. There is no other part of the transformation because digital touches everything. It changes everything. It changes not only your strategy, but the people that have to execute your strategy and run your operations to your governance, to your processes, everything changes because the technology is fundamentally shaping and re-changing how we operate. So then we have to go back to the drawing board on a lot of the stuff. And what you find is when you take this digital first approach is that the way we've been doing things in the past is fine, but that's not the way it is going forward. And so all of a sudden our assumptions break down. We also spoke about the multiple technology platforms that will really be required to meet the strategic needs of procurement organizations across the globe, including extended workforce platforms for talent acquisition. And we talked a lot about the user experience and user expectations for digital procurement that have changed dramatically. We all know that user experience is critical for adoption of any technology. And without that adoption, the value proposition of that technology decreases significantly. So user experience is is very important. And Eloise explained why you can't just sign a contract with a technology provider and then walk away and assume that it's done critically important to ensure that user experience is fully adopted. We also talked about procurement's transition from a transactional purchasing department to being a trusted advisor to the company's business strategy. This is something that I've talked about many times and we will continue to talk about because it's been with us for many, many years and it will continue to be so. 
And she noted that in order to get to be a trusted advisor, be more strategic, it starts with data. What we bring to the table is data. And, and I know everybody talks about data ad nauseum. I can walk into any design meeting and bring all kinds of information about the supply market, about what's happening in it. And the amount of data that we as procurement have at our fingertips is amazing. I know for a fact that Beeline, you all have amazing data on the external workforce. Whatever I'm doing, there's a lot of data to mine there and to bring to the business. You can look and see trends that nobody else can see. And if I'm hiring Beeline or any other provider on other topics, look at the richness of the data that I could bring into a meeting with my cohort and show and may basically make myself look at. All you have to do is ask. And yeah. that's what we miss. The second point I would make is we have a new generation of procurement people. And that's from the entry level people all the way up to the leaders. I write about this. We are witnessing a generational change and procurement people are much more networked now. The pandemic has really accelerated that because we've all been home and we're all connected and talking to one another and we're all looking out for one another. And that's vastly different from before. We have folks coming out of undergrad and grad programs that actually know what procurement is and may or may not choose it, but they know what it is. It's not just the people making you do three bids and a buy. We also have a new generation of leaders that are not going to make the same mistakes. It's not to say that they're mistakes, but they're not going to just blindly follow the quote unquote best practices. They're, they're going to chart their own course and figure out what they want to do. At the same time, we have an older generation of leaders that really want to leave their legacy, especially when it comes around ESG topics and, and innovation or the com combination of the two. And they're making their mark by just stepping to the side and doing some really innovative stuff. I, I always say now is the greatest time to be in procurement. And that's one of the main reasons. And I agree, it should not have taken this long. It's killing me, absolutely <laughs> killing me that it's taken this long. But yet I see now is that moment where it's shifting. To become a trusted strategic advisor, she said every procurement organization needs a much more clearly articulated digital strategy. In my September episode, I spoke with Nina Vaca, chairman and CEO of the Pinnacle Group a global workforce solutions provider. We talked about leadership in procurement, including the difference between occupying a leadership position and being a conscious leader. And here is what Nina had to say about leadership. Leadership is a topic that we could talk about for hours. It has so many elements when it's such a broad topic I want to focus in on just a couple of elements of leadership that are really important in my mind or that I have used. It's an approach, if you will. And then maybe just give you some examples of the steps a leader can take during a time of crisis. So to me, leadership is the intersection of two competing concepts. Number one is the act of service, servant leadership. In my opinion, a leader's role is to help those in their charge be more successful than they otherwise would be without them. That is the job of a leader, is making other people successful. 
So for me, I never ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't want to do myself. It's a servant mentality. I'm there to serve them. I am there to help them be more successful. That is one element of leadership. But the second element of leadership that I think is equally as important is you can't want someone's success more than the person themselves. And what I mean by that is you can't want their success more than they want it. They have to exhibit the hunger. They have to exhibit their willingness to learn. So for me, bringing those two concepts together about finding people who really are hungry, who really want leadership, who are willing to work hard, and then to serve them relentlessly to make them successful. To me, the combination of those two concepts is an element of leadership. We also discussed the value of entrepreneurship in procurement. In addition to taking an entrepreneurial attitude toward leading the procurement department, Nina suggested partnering with entrepreneurial suppliers. She offered that one of her Fortune 500 clients told her that partnering with entrepreneurs allowed him to rent their flexibility, entrepreneurial mindset, and adaptability while bringing it into his own processes. I have experience with entrepreneurial companies, and I think the flexibility that they have in servicing and solutioning large organizations is extremely valuable. And we talked about the future of work after the pandemic and the importance of corporate cultures for attracting and retaining talent, a subject that's being discussed on a daily basis and is a huge disruptor right now within this ecosystem. Here were some of Nina's thoughts on corporate culture and its effect on business. The challenge for corporations who talk a lot about culture, to your point, but may not have the culture, to me, in my mind, that's the difference between being sincere and being serious. One can be sincere about their goals, but not serious. So when you are both sincere and serious, that's when you create real change. Not just sincerely wanting it, but getting serious about putting in the steps or putting in the plan of actually doing it. I love the reflection you shared of the beeline environment of waking up in the morning and just how much that culture really energizes you. Early on, we started a tradition and we've maintained this tradition for 25 years and that is celebrating our progress and tying it to our purpose. It's never about growth. It's never about profit. It's about what is the big picture here? What are we all doing this for? How do we connect our work to our purpose and have meaning? And then how do we celebrate the wins? Because you're right, I've been accused of being positive. <laughs> positive <laughs> is a great thing. It is one of my top five strengths, I will tell you. Hmm. But every business has to succeed. And if you're and, and succeeding takes a lot of hard work. If your only focus of success is the hard work and you're not celebrating the milestones, you run the risk of creating drudgery. People work extremely hard. No one works a nine to five hour job anymore the work that you do has to have positivity and meaning. When you have success 
And even when it's not perfect, because we all know success is not perfect, celebrating them, creating something positive, rewarding people, praising them, connecting the dots to the bigger picture, that positivity and that energy creates people wanting to do that over and over again. Overly focused on perfection is a challenge. And for me, I've never allowed the negative to creep in. I've always focused on the positive aspects and the bigger picture. We also talked about the qualitative difference between real leaders who inspire and those who simply lead because that's part of their job description. I thought Nina really expressed the essence when she said this about acting as a conscious leader in these difficult times. When there's change, there's conflict. And when there's conflict, there's an opportunity to not be reactive, but to Mm -hmm. respond. To me, as a conscious leader, it is my responsibility not to react, but to respond. I'm reminded of the saying, with consciousness, there is choice. Without it, there's only habit. And so let's not just break into habit of what, how we do things. Let's take the time to step back and be more conscious because when we are more aware or more conscious, we have a choice of how we respond. And she sees conscious leadership as the difference between surviving and thriving in our changing world. But she's also very hopeful about the future, which is great. And she reminded us that we are now in a rebound. And to quote Nina, when you're in a rebound, that's a career making opportunity. My next guest was Joseph Martinez, a prominent procurement executive, having held many top level procurement positions across the globe. And he shared his views on accelerating the transformation of procurement operations from transactional to operational and now to strategic. Again, this is a topic that we discussed in prior episodes. And here's a little bit of what Joseph had to say. We're seeing that there's an evolution in terms of the way supply chains are run. We're seeing the elevation of procurement and supply chain in the C-level. It's something that is discussed at board levels. It's discussed by CEOs, et cetera. And what's happening now is that we're starting to be able to be seen as more than just a profession. We're also seen as a critical component in any business strategy that's out there. I think um, you're going to start to see, and we have seen through that evolution, the change in roles and the changing focus on our supply chain professionals. If you think back, going back, to the 90s, between I'd say between 1990 and the early 2000s, that was really a year of transactional buying. And that's where during that period of time, we started to see that things were starting to be replaced relative with you know new ERP systems were being put in. The expectation of the profession started to rise. You started to see that inside universities, degrees were starting to shift away from operations to actually having a, an actual supply chain degree. You started to see the fundamental shift away from manual process to ERP utilization. You then saw with the dot-com technology has really evolved very rapidly within what we're doing and we're starting to avail ourselves. Most of us are using AI and ML in some capacity within our supply chains. Many supply chains are now using robotics process automation 
And again, what that's doing is it's leading to a change and a shift in terms of the work and the focus that individuals are, are doing. So they're being supported and, and enhanced in terms of what's really happening based on the technologies that are evolving. And what that's doing is it's freeing up a subset of the overall organization to, to really have some strategic roles. Joseph also pointed to the parallels uh, between procurement and IT, information technology, noting that companies began to recognize the strategic value of IT about 25, 30 years ago. The same is now happening with procurement, especially as a result of the pandemic and the supply chain disruptions it's created. He called this an inflection point and, and noted that Today's CPO must be farsighted and have a complete understanding of their organization's business strategy and how procurement contributes to the company's success. I thought it was really interesting when Joseph said CPOs must also become the CIOs of procurement. He noted that it's no longer enough to run a siloed organization where CPOs just run procurement and CIOs provide the technical support for the whole organization. Today, as we know, every function is being digitally transformed and CPOs must take charge of the technology and the data analytics that drive the procurement organization. And at Beeline, we're seeing that happen in more and more of our clients' organizations. I asked Joseph what kinds of considerations CPOs should have when choosing new technology, and here's what he had to say. Well, the first thing I would say is that before you pick a technology, you better have a good, clear, and concise understanding of your process. Yeah. Because throwing technology against a bad process is just gonna make it quicker to get to a bad result. It's really important that the practitioners out there look at what the current processes that they have, how they might be able to optimize that process and challenge themselves. When you go back in and you take a look at the evolution of process in, in organizations, typically there's some other organization that is doing what I call an exported control into the procurement organization. But it really has nothing to do with what you need to do in order to be able to provide uh, a good or a service to your end user. It's somebody else inside the organization that does not have the technical capability or frankly is exporting the control into you because it's easy to do that. You got to clean sheet everything, rethink until you get down to level four on a process map, and then you check for any exported controls and you start to see where things are. It's going to be difficult because you need to answer what is the business question that I'm trying to solve for? How am I exploring that through my processes and the information that I have? And then how do I use that to make a decision? Sounds really easy, right? But it's not because it's going to take a lot of time and effort. And you have to do this as the foundational work before you start going in and, and, and looking at a tool. Once you've explored what those processes are, then you can go and start to make the decision around the technology that you're looking for. Don't get tripped up on features. Make sure that whatever the solution is that's being provided to you has not only the ability to facilitate a transaction, but to be able to provide you the data and analytics that you need in order to be effective. Now, what you also want to do is look at it and just say, if it's something that's really transactional, how, how do I automate that, whether it's through the use of a bot or some sort of a digital tool? 
okay? Because I want to get human beings out of that. There's not a lot of value that they're going to add there. Then how do I go up that stack a little bit and provide the digital tools to the operational buyers that need to be able to do something and they need a system of process in order to do that, which then allows you to have that third group of these strategic buyers really act more effectively as almost internal consultants from a supply chain point of view to your various organizational stakeholders. He pointed out that CPOs must create an organization that reflects this new strategic role. And that means training up your team to be more than just transactional and operational buyers. Those are jobs that can be outsourced to BPO providers or just be automated using artificial intelligence. So there's really a need for upskilling the talent within our organizations. My final guest a few weeks ago was Al Williams, Chief Procurement Officer at Cognizant. Al was also group CPO at Barclays Bank and spent 18 years with Accenture. Having built large procurement organizations for so many leading companies, I asked Al to talk about how to build an organization that attracts talent. And he spoke about his enthusiasm for the role procurement plays in business today, saying that the impact you can have and should have on the business is pretty profound. We talked about procurement becoming an increasingly exciting profession. And one of the challenges conveying that excitement and enthusiasm to people who are entering the profession and finding talent, talented people who share that excitement and can channel it to create value for your organization. And here's what Al had to say. I'll start with kind of the aspect around elevating the role of procurement in the business, because I think that attracts talent, Mm. right? The best procurement talent want to be very relevant in the business and want to have that seat at the table. I'm reminded of many years ago when we talked, we as procurement leaders talked about having a seat at the table, how do we get a seat at the table? That was not something you hear as much any longer, but certainly was a a popular question amongst roundtables, et cetera. And I remember one person at one of the events I was at said, if you want a seat at the table, you got to earn it. And I think that a lot of us adopted that attitude that you really do have to prove that you should be there. I think most organizations have done that now. And now procurement is, if it's not the most critical function in the value chain, internal function in the value chain, it's certainly one of the most critical to make sure it gets right for all the things that we've already talked about here, Mike. So I think that that's a key to attract talent. But then if you turn around and say, okay, well, you want to make sure we continue to perpetuate that type of model and, and that existence in the organization and business, we have to make sure that the talent we're bringing in that they're naturally curious. That's something I always look for when I hire, especially mid-level up folks, is, is to make sure they're very curious because we talked about it earlier. You have an opportunity in procurement to understand almost every aspect, if not every aspect of the business that you work in. And if you're not intellectually curious and professionally curious, it'll be very challenging, I think, for you to tap the value and opportunity for you and your team. You want people that are consultative in nature and not dictatorial or policy driven, right? So that can sit down and say, well, let me explain to you some opportunities for how I can help you. And have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? 
look at the demand side and supply side of every equation when it comes to supply chain and have those customer service skills as well. Uh, we call it CRM for procurement these days, but it's about responsiveness. It's about building that trust. We were talking about earlier around relationships with suppliers, same thing internally, building those strong, trusted relationships to be a trusted advisor to your business partners in the organizations. In addition to the talent within your organization, Al spoke about the value of relationships in furthering your business and personal goals. Relationships matter and they're extremely important. And I think that's both in our personal lives and our business and professional lives. If I, so I would kind of parlay personal relationships into the context of how you develop supplier relationships and business relationships. On a personal side, I think we all know when we keep close contact and in constant communication and build trust with former colleagues or friends or people that you may not see or talk to every day, keeping those relationships fresh are very important to the extent of when you need them, when you need to network or you need to tap into that network or just to have those trusted relationships which nourish all of us that we look for in our personal lives. I think when you think about business and supplier relationships, some of those things, again, relate to how we drive supplier business to business relationships. Don't treat it transactionally and tactically. Don't just set up a meeting with that supplier, or especially if they're a strategic one, to the business. Don't set up a meeting with that supplier only when you need it. Don't call them only when you need them. Likewise, they shouldn't be doing the same to you, right? There should be regular meetings, regular sessions. There should be regular communication between the two. There should be the right level of connections and relationships within the business. Call them top to tops a lot, right? But you want to make sure those strategic suppliers and the seniors within your company are appropriately connected and informed. And all that takes work. And it there will be a time when that work will pay off. It might be a contract renewal time. It might be some disruption in the business, whether it be a pandemic, a financial crisis, and other types of events or shocks that we've all experienced over the last 10, 15, 20 years. But I think the, the important thing is to have those strong, trusted relationships already forged and then lean on those rather than treating them very tra- transactional. And it's easier said than done. Because it feels like something you need to do as a side job, where in essence, that supplier relationship piece is every bit as important as the other aspects of procurement role or and anyone in business for that matter. And salespeople have been doing this for a long time. And procurement professionals are probably a little late to the party in some ways, but we could take a play from their playbook. I really enjoyed these discussions because they are all, first off, great people. And secondly, they bring so many different perspectives from years of experience. And that's what I will continue to do next year. That's what I wanted to do this year. And that's what I will continue to do next year. Bring different perspectives, insights, ideas from industry leaders across the globe and from multiple industries. You know, I wrote a piece for LinkedIn back in August about some of my early learnings and observations making the transition to Beeline. And one of my points back then was 
no one has it all figured out. I have yet to speak with a client that doesn't have more room for optimization and advancement. And they would agree. This isn't a surprise given the state of the workforce and the ever-changing global economy, but it's important for all of us, buyers and vendors alike, to work together to find ways to improve. Well, this certainly hasn't changed since then, and it probably won't change for the foreseeable future. So let's continue to build relationships and share good quality information with each other to really better the ecosystem and more importantly, better each other. I'd like to thank my Beeline family for their unwavering support with this podcast and a special shout out to the amazing Beeline marketing team that has held my hand throughout this journey. I could not have done it without them. And thank you to all of my listeners for the amazing feedback and your support. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to try to make this better each and every time you listen. So be sure to connect and follow me on LinkedIn and follow at Beeline VMS on Twitter to stay informed on upcoming episodes. I wish you all happy holidays. Please be safe. And I'll talk to you next year.